Hello and welcome to Films on Trial. This week, yesterday, I'm Gav. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like yesterday, we are average at best. Um, sorry. That's not the tagline. <laughs> are you <laughs> jumping straight in? That oh, is yeah, absolute. That's that is. I'm, I'm hanging up my boots. Already. That is the tagline. I'm not even. I'm joke. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even joking. That is the tagline. We are average at best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. The tagline is: Everyone in the world has forgotten the Beatles. Everyone except Jack. I didn't really think that fit in with. Um, that certainly does not apply to us. No, anyway, it doesn't matter. Seriously though, if you've never heard the show before, then hold on to your bicycle handles because we're about to drive a bus through your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you'll understand it once you see the film. Okay. Uh, essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a quiz, some questionable impressions, some above average xylophone playing, a caption contest, some silly sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. Now, this week's film on trial, as I said before, is Yesterday. Ozzy, I don't have a Yesterday <laughs> sound effect. You don't have a yesterday sound effect? Well, a sound effect that could uh, apply to yesterday. I don't know, I was going to try and do the time machine uh, noises, but I don't know, shall I just do uh, my best Paul McCartney? Go on, yeah. I can't even think of one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a best Paul McCartney. <laughs> does, does anyone? Someone said to John, no, we're going to sing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he's come from. He's Jesus come from Christ, it's like he's in the room with yeah. us. No, uh, I said to him. No, we should uh, sing it like this, John. <laughs> good, good Slightly stuff. better. Yeah, it's like Paul McCartney in an episode of... Um, <laughs> Carnation <Emmerdale>. Street. <laughs> yeah, more um, like Emmerdale. Okay, so uh, anyway, yesterday. Do our troubles seem so far away? Or does it look as though they're here to stay? I believe it's time for yesterday. Uh, now, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific <laughs> episode. You liked that, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen the film yet, it is still available on uh, the cinema. So you can go and watch it, or you can just listen to this um, episode after you've watched it, or just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to you by me, which we will highlight in the comments section below. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Charlie's Angels, which (laughs) sounds a bit like this. (laughs) I'm really rinsing that sound effect. Um, so I judged that film and I deemed that it should be placed on the hit list, surprisingly. I've since gone away and watched it this week. Uh, did it make the right call? I'm going to say undecided. Uh, it is pretty shit. Um, <laughs> is, is, isn't that quite decided then? No, but I really enjoyed it. You know, So it's. I don't think it would look too out of place on either the hit or the shit list. I think it's like one of those films that if you were to say, oh yeah, Charlie's Angels is on the blank list, people would go, oh yeah, okay. I think most people would go, oh yeah, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it though. I really did enjoy it. Uh, it is very tinny, but I, I, it was enjoyable. Uh, one thing I, I must point out though is when Alex said that it wasn't exploitative towards its leads, there is, a, I'm going to say about a minute long section right at the beginning where it's just Cameron Diaz's arse, like just dancing in a pair of underpants and it's like oh i mean this does not i wondered why it was paused on your tv screen (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't add anything to the plot it's just like why is this here you know what i mean i mean the rest of the film i don't think is that exploitative about uh, the leads i do think that you know they're treated like actual action stars and not just like sexy women but that one scene in particular it's like oh this is this is this should be it's just a bit of bad taste but apart from that enjoyable film and you know tim coy and bill murray can't go wrong can you Anyway, before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a bit of film feels. Now, as you may have heard, Alex, who usually does the film feels, isn't here. So this week it's going to be done by Joel. And if you've heard previous episodes, you know that each person has their own unique sound effect for when they do film feels. So I've been struggling to find one for you, Joel, but I think I've got one. Let let me know what you reckon. Mm, not sure what to think of it really <laughs> um so this week's film feels is just your favorite rom-com simple as that i mean that is quite simple it's almost like you hardly put any <laughs> effort into it, it in. <laughs> more than alex does <laughs> uh favorite i, I assumed you're gonna say favorite british rom-com so i've i've picked two of them well go ahead uh i really like the film man up has anyone seen that no uh, it's starring no. lake bell uh, it's about a girl who accidentally bumps into a guy played by Simon Pegg 
and he mistaken mistakes her for his blind date and she just goes with it and it's about you know their night and i think it's such a really good uh, story i think her character especially is really well written and yeah it's it's really um, funny and light-hearted and fun and the other one i was thinking is while i was thinking about sam and peg i thought about nick frost and i thought is anyone seen cuban fury no. which once again another really great film lovely just light-hearted fun film it's about a guy who used to be like a, a Cuban dancer when he was a kid, but gave it up because he got bullied. And then years later, there's a girl in work that he likes, played by Rashida Jones, and she's really into Cuban music. So he's like, oh, I'm going to learn, relearn how to be a Cuban dancer and impressor. And it, his Cuban dancing instructor is played by podcast favorite Ian McShane. And it's, it's beautiful. Ian McShane in anything is great, but in this especially, he's brilliant. So definitely two recommendations there. If you haven't seen them, guys, check them out. Cool. I don't know if mine classes is a rom com, but I was going to say like Amelie. I think it's got all the uh, it's got all of the pieces of a rom com, yeah. except for it's in French. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very much not a British rom com. But you know, it's like uh, there's like little humorous takes on love and that sort of stuff. And I suppose at the end, they end up together. So do yeah. they? I can't remember the end. Is, is there enough com? <laughs> it depends. Or if is you, it too much rom? <laughs> maybe there's not enough of either <laughs> in, in hindsight it's not that funny or that romantic but uh, it, there's a story of two people trying to piece it together isn't it so yeah i'm gonna say emily i'm stuck i'm sticking with it yeah what about the shine and then if, if we're going by that <laughs> i've not seen the shine and otherwise maybe i might have chosen. <laughs> uh i'd probably i'm pleased you didn't specify british because i'd probably say wedding singer Comes oh, yeah. out first, oh, which, yeah. is, which is a funny one because I don't like Adam Sandler as a rule, but it's, I actually really like The Wedding Singer. The really good, really good soundtrack. Like Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler's there. acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> He's in it. You can't deny that. Billy Idol cameo. You know what else do you want? And uh, you don't get much more romantic than a wedding. That is true. True. Apart from when he actually gets dumped by his girlfriend and then gets really depressed for the majority of the film. But um, yeah, the musical of the film is actually really good as well. So oh, yeah. if there's an opportunity to check out the musical, highly recommended once again. This should just this section should have just been Gav's recommendation. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, now I know Ian McShane's in Cuban Fury. It's like, well, there we go. That's hey, a done deal. I've got it right here, mate. I will pass it over to you. Happy days. Joel, what's yours mean? Um, mine's probably I Love You, Man. It's just an absolute classic a tale of another man loving another man. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it isn't a, a standard rom-com, is it really? They've kind of mixed up the tale a little bit. But I just think there's plenty of com in the rom. So yeah. I think there is rom. I think it's it's a bromance. So like a, a brom-com. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is a nice story because as you said, they've subverted it. Instead of it being a, a cliched woman falling in love with a man, it's a man falling in love with a friendship yeah uh, falling in friendship with another man and it's yeah it's very good anyway thank you very much for that guys <laughs> okay on to the bulk of the show as mentioned before this week's film on trial is yesterday shit i mean like i just plugged directly into yeah into the laptop this time around so i was like i got no excuses for biffing it up but obviously (laughs) i'm just not that good um so uh it has been picked out the hat at random and so have the roles so in the role of defense in trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be joel and ozzy now joel is a lot like john lennon he loves staying in bed the only difference and is a legend <laughs> the only difference between joel and john lennon is that lennon was trying to spread positivity and a message of peace but joel just likes sitting off and eating mini rolls and playing on fifa <laughs> and ozzy uh, you're a little bit like ringo star uh, he spends most of his time outside of liverpool these days and if there were a topiary statue of ozzy i can't guarantee that it wouldn't get decapitated <laughs> And acting as prostitution, a pro- prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. If I walked into the wrong room, <laughs> Watching that film, I think some, something was getting prostituted, to tell you that right. Anyway, right. Um, Save it for the argument, mate. Watching, uh, sorry, no. Uh, so trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me. I'm a bit like Paul McCartney. 
after continuously performing the same material time and time again, I've become a tired parody of myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, we will be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our genuine opinions, so do stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts. Which means this week, Dave has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. Now, Dave is a little bit like George Harrison, Probably the nicest the one in the group. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going for the opposite, but yeah. I, I mean, that's Ringo, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> uh, Fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dave's always banging on about taxes as well. So uh, <laughs> now Dave must decide which uh, film the list should be, uh, which, which list the film should be placed on the hit or the shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion, which is good because he hasn't actually seen the film. No, so. not a clue. What you're going to say because he has actually got an opinion <laughs> <laughs> and that as well and that but before we get started i think we should probably give the listeners a better understanding as to what the film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week it is landed on me so how should i read this synopsis off can we jib off the cast and characters? Can we try and hear your Paul McCartney? <laughs> I feel like this is just going to sound like another Emmerdale farmer. <laughs> a struggling musician realises he's the only person on earth who can remember the Beatles after waking up in an alternative timeline where they never existed. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. good, actually. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> a good. I thought it was a good Ringo, if not for Peace of love, stop sending me your fan mail. <laughs> Okay, so moving on, Dave, uh, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yeah, can do. So like Gav says, I haven't seen this film. I have no opinion whatsoever on this. I have nothing to base anything on. I have no facts. So spare me no detail. Tell me everything you know. Who wants to go first? Who's uh, up? I, I, yeah, I, I can go first. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, so like, the thing about this film is it doesn't actually start off that bad. It just It's just another Richard Curtis sort of generic rom-com. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, but... Like watching it, I wasn't like, "Oh, this is this is horrible." This film I was just like, "It's just it's the same old, same old." This could be anything. This could be Love Actually. It could be Notting Hill. D- doesn't matter. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a tale about a struggling musician who used to be a teacher, um, but now he is. You know, he's, he works in um, at, at, I don't know, like a, a supermarket uh, in his spare time, and most of the time he's trying to make it as a musician. His agent is uh, Lily James, and she is also his childhood's best friend. She's also got a major crush on, crush on him and you, you never really find out why because this guy is a bit of a loser. He's not, he's not like classically handsome. He's not got a load of charisma or charm. He's just a, like an affable loser but she is hopelessly in love with him. Uh, she books him a, a few random gigs here and there. You know, he does Latitude Festival but it's actually like a children's tent and there's only about seven people there and he decides there and then I, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't be asked. Like, I'm I'm not going to make it as a musician. And that's when the premise of the film starts. And the premise is actually a really interesting one. Uh, I mean, the way it's executed, maybe not so much. All the lights around the world go off at the exact same time. So you see a montage of, like, you know, Britain, of North Korea, of Moscow, all the lights going dead. And then when they come back on a few seconds later, he's on his little bike and he gets knocked over by a bus. So... You know, fast forward a week or two, he's been in a coma, he wakes up and he then finds out quite quickly that nobody has got any recollection of the Beatles. So it's like that sort of, should I kind of pass off the Beatles work as my own or should I not? Should I just like forget about it? And that wasn't really thought about for a long time. It was just sort of... Pretty much decided I'm going to rip off the Beatles. Imminent, I'd say. I'd say thought about it for about three seconds and then went, yeah, go on then, I'll fuck them off. And of course, if you were in that same position, you'd do exactly the same. I probably would. Yeah. To be honest you with you, I've seen Hot Tub Time Machine where they do nearly the same <laughs> yeah. thing. To be honest, the Beatles is tempting enough. If, I, if someone, if everyone forgot about White Snake, I'd still rip off White Snake and try and pass it off as my own. You know, Beatles. That's that's another level. I and think, that premise with the time, the the dimensions thing as well. That's, that's you know that's a good sci-fi trope now. That's what they did in Spider Man. Uh, the Spider-Verse thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd say well it, it was, it was good. It it, one, one thing that was annoying about it was that it's never, ever explained. And I thought like, okay, sometimes you don't need this to be explained. 
But as the film goes on, we find more and more things have just been forgotten. So nobody's got any recollection of Coca-Cola. Um, so there's a couple of hilarious bits later on where he's like, hey, can I have a Coke? Or, you know, just says, can I have Coke? And they're like, what? what? Drugs? And he's like, no, I just want a Pepsi. Uh, and th- there's no recollection of cigarettes either. And as the film goes on, the very, very end scene, actually, or like the, one of the very last ones, is um, he says something along the lines of, oh, now I know how Harry Potter felt when he defeated Voldemort. And she turns around and goes, who? And then he looks at the camera and goes, hey. So he can, <laughs> Sequel. He can rip off the Beatles, write the Harry Potter books, manufacture cigarettes, and and get a new Coca-Cola recipe up and running. Yeah, yeah. essentially, yeah, you can do all that shit. Yeah. But uh, he, he, he doesn't, he just decides to rip off the Beatles slightly. Oh. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, it's like, to, to start off with. So the, as as that baseline, yeah, yeah, it's it's all right. But it's only when you like kind of once that premise has been introduced, does it start unraveling. I mean, it does sound like a really interesting premise, to be honest with you. So it, you could make a film about this. Someone has. It does sound like <laughs> a really good idea. But um, I mean, it, Gav says it starts off like any typical Richard Curtis film. Now, Richard Curtis films are pretty popular, to be honest with you guys. And, I mean, what would you say? Would you say it's, uh, it falls into the old tropes a little too easily? Or would you say there's anything fresh here? I just think it's a really good film to distract you from daily life. It's falls into that category as a lot of other kind of rom-com films do that it's never going to blow your socks off but it's just a a very interesting and fun watch especially if you're a beatles fan you know and admitted admittedly i'm not the biggest beatles fan in the world but um just even watching the music being performed and that type of thing is um is definitely fun to watch there are uh kind of all the well not all the there are kind of some of the kind of rom-com tropes in here for sure and the acting you know, with it being a reasonably low budget film, it isn't as high quality as some of the other ones. But as I say, it's just one of those films where you can just switch off and you don't really kind of find yourself thinking about anything else other than the film for like that one hour and 20 minutes or one hour, one hour and 30 minutes, whatever it is that it's um, that it's on. You know, you will... Uh, just watch the time tick by, really. Yeah. Yeah, and are you bothered? Or, sorry, Oscar. No, no, what's it? Like, exactly what both, I mean, both guys have said it, is that the film, it doesn't make any apologies for what it is. Like, literally from the trailer through all of the adverts, everything, you know, it doesn't apologise. It, it tells you what it is. It, this mm. is just a feel-good, light-hearted movie. It's not trying to... It's got enough original items, like the dimensions thing, yeah, not greatly... Uh, explained but it doesn't really have to be it's a lot it's the same it is a, a rom-com you know it's just light-hearted you just got to bear that in mind and you know just let it be oh well, um, nice. there's some nice. you know there's some plot holes and like timeline issues but they don't think they detract from the fun it's a nice nostalgic tribute to some great music yeah. i i would i would completely disagree i think if it was just a story about a struggling musician who got influenced by the beatles and went on that'd be fine but the fact that the what the premise is the thing that lets it down because it's such an exciting and unique premise that they just don't execute it well at all like the thing about the beatles is that you know people argue to this day about like the greatness of the beatles but what you can't deny is that they had a massive influence on so many musicians that followed them and their influence and impact was felt by like generations of people. And if you just completely get rid of all that to try and recreate it like decades later. And the thing is, is that apart from we find out that Oasis doesn't exist. And that's a bit of a joke as if like, oh, if the Beatles didn't exist, then Oasis wouldn't because they're a bit of a Beatles tribute band. Yeah. But every other musician and every other piece of music that we know of still exists. So it kind of it treats the Beatles music as, hey, guys, these are the best songs ever written. You know, like this is something just earth shatteringly amazing. And rather than showing us, they just keep on telling us. They keep on saying, oh, this music's great, but they don't actually show it. And it, it, it reminds me of recently, I went to go and watch Rocketman, which I thought was fantastic. The way they displayed Elton John's music, like the the costumes, the lighting, the, the, the set, you know, the actors that were involved, the choreography, like they'd made it into a big musical number. And his songs really jumped off the screen and you thought, wow, he wrote some fantastic music. This is the Beatles, arguably the greatest band who ever lived. You know, that, that music should be popping off the screen and instead it just feels flat. And then when he does sing songs like Oobla Dee Oobla Da or whatever later on, I mean, if you play that to anybody, nobody's going to kind of put down what they're holding and go like, oh my God, what was that you just played? <laughs> if they never heard it before. Like, 
<laughs> arguably some of the Beatles songs are quite shit. Like, and, and I am, I am a massive Beatles fan, but you can't deny that some of their songs are a bit shit. But the way they are packaged, the way that they were presented, the way that the, when they came out, the albums that they're on, the tracks that are either side of them, you know, there's so much more that makes that music than just uh, plucking out a, a song here and there and playing it. And, mm. and I don't think that they, they show that enough. So like, I, I think we'll get, sorry, oh, I think no, we'll no, no, touch no, no, on no, is no. the Beatles legacy issue and how is that affected or paid uh, tribute to? Yeah, well, c- completely. You can't like it's not a it's not like a, it's not a biopic. It's not a biopic. It's not a it's you know it's it's, it's a very gen- it's a very gentle tribute and lighthearted uh, premise. You can't you can't just erase all of that music and then try and rewrite. You know, the, the, nobody's got the time to rewrite the entire universe without the Beatles and coming through. You know, they've got Ed Sheeran and, uh, you know, it, without the Beatles, without all of the music coming through, he wouldn't be in it, you know, and say what you like about Ed Sheeran. I think we're all in the same camp about how we, you know, whether we're a fan or we're, or, or we're not a fan of, of Ed Sheeran. But his little role in this is kind of funny. He pops up at these unexpected moments. It's, um, it just genuinely is a lighthearted. You can't, it's so easy to pick apart, yeah, the plot or the, the, the premise if you're going to piece a piece about the music it's not really the star of the show is the music let's be honest it's the Beatles but it, it's it's only part of the picture it, it genuinely is just this light-hearted thing for for him uh jack uh and his uh his uh, manager um promoter yeah, slash, slash love, interest. love interest girlfriend ellie um you know that that's the that's the sort of the story. It's this isn't challenging. It's not it's not something. That, this is maybe like a spend a bit of time going on a date, have a sing along with uh, with your partner. This isn't a really look at the world issues or you know you know earth shattering stuff. I'm not it's saying that it needs to be. I'm just saying yeah. that it needs to have more behind it. You know, like you can't present this massive. That very unique idea and then just it's just essentially like a cardboard cutout you know when you put a bit of weight on it it just falls over mm. who wants to tell me about direction because obviously we've got danny boyle at the helm for this one one of the best british directors i would say working today well let me start i mean gav already i can see the little <laughs> grin on his face ready to show up right and, and, and i'll go in i don't think it it doesn't feel like a danny boyle film at all okay like it's uh you wouldn't completely unexpected I would say, and not necessarily in a good or a bad way. I think it feels like a Richard Curtis movie. Mm. And then maybe anybody could have been a director, essentially. I think it's well put together. The um, sort of the, the, the music is put together. It's like a rom-com meets sci-fi meets musical. Mm. Yeah, but um, but I think essentially if you didn't, if you enjoyed the way Love Actually was put together, you're probably going to enjoy this or Notting Hill or any of the other uh, characters. I was even trying to put this on the on the good <laughs> list. Here. No, I know, but what I'm saying is that those films are, you know, they're whether we like them or not, or you know, as a, as a as a foursome or, or as a or as a quintet when um when the boy wanders back, you know, then <laughs> there's then a that, cat that's, that's, here. Can yeah, you be the yeah, first yeah. one? <laughs> so that's you know something that I think that's that kind of irrelevant. But they're they're widely loved. Uh, films you know they appeal to the masses and i think that's mm. kind of what this is this is a this is a film for the masses to enjoy of uh, an evening you know take take people out go for a meal have a nice date this isn't um it's not hard hitting in terms of direction or in terms of you know filmmaking mm. i don't think that means it's a bad thing mm, i think it is a bad thing danny boyle has been completely neutered here by richard curtis uh, physically as well as <laughs> now as Ozzy said, this could have been anybody. If you would have told me it was uh, Dexter Fletcher or, you know, like Guy Pearce or, you know, what, anybody, like, it, it wouldn't have mattered because it's just so neutral. It, it could have been directed by a first-time director or somebody with 12 films under their belt. It, it doesn't matter. There's nothing here of Danny Boyle that sticks out. You think of some of the Danny Boyle films that he's made, like mm. Trainspot and Slumdog Millionaire. You know, these are some iconic films. And in them, he does really, really interesting techniques. You know, his use of music as well. Uh, you know, his use of like sounds and environments. Like none of that is covered in this. It's just a generic play-by-play uh, rom-com film. As Ozzy said, it feels more like a Richard Curtis film than it does a Danny Boyle film. That you'd expect him to put his stamp on it. And what is more painful is the fact that he stepped away from Bond 25 so he could concentrate on this film. And it's almost like he wasn't even there. So mm. 
it's he stepped away from something that could have been amazing to concentrate on this film and it it looks like his identity isn't even on there it's like it's been erased i was gonna say we haven't seen bond 25 yet this could have been a very smart move <laughs> let's reserve True. judgment on that one okay so it sounds like it's a bit of a waste of danny boyle but on the other hand of it i, I am sort of thinking in the back of my mind you know is it just is it a, a lack of ego on his part has he just allowed the producer to, to run the show a little bit you know and, and not necessarily in a way that he was overran but in that he just permitted it to happen and help make the film what would you say to that gov um or is that not the impression you got no not really i, I mean like this this kind of not having a massive ego and letting the producer or the writer have some you know artistic freedom to it and then this completely stepping away mm-hmm. i mean you think about some of the danny boyle films where they've used music really effectively and mm-hmm. um, you know the, there's several scenes in train spot and slumdog millionaire as i said even shallow grave you know these films i've got like iconic set pieces in uh, to music and i was thinking this would be really interesting to see what danny boyle does with the beatles and the answer is not that much you know there, there, there's not I, I thought there was going to be some like music videos maybe or there was going to be some sort of throwback to some of their classic albums you know I was, I was looking forward to hear something off the Sgt. Pepper's album that, and you know a, a, like a psychedelic amount of colours hitting the screen there's nothing like that or like all the music that we hear is him performing it live and you know the guy is very talented this uh, Hamish Patel um, but you know the Beatles he isn't and that that is one of the things that falls down on you know like you think about the beatles they had this massive impact they were there were four piece bands playing together this is just one guy performing all of the songs by himself and obviously you know like like the best singer in the world couldn't replicate the energy and the enthusiasm of four people you know a band that've been working together for years and wrote some of the best songs ever mm. and it, it just falls a bit flat one thing i do want to ask everyone obviously the beatles they wrote their songs in the 60s yep actually yep. it was entirely in the 60s wasn't it? they didn't do anything in the 70s so obviously they were very much of their generation they kind of defined a generation that defined a lot of the 60s sound in britain and across the world how does that translate into the modern era because i know this is a, a contemporary film mm. it's a to be fair it's not really covered you know that's probably one of the things you could poke a hole in you could say you know if the beatles hadn't existed would they be as popular today you know would people lap them up as much as they did back then it's not really covered but i don't really think it matters you know the 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 fact is that the beatles are super popular there's so many people um you know we live in liverpool we see the amount of people that go to the museum and all that type of thing there's so many people that do love the beatles and for a rom-com, you know, a lot of people will watch that film just to kind of reminisce about the Beatles and also see kind of a different take on their music. Um, and that's what you'll get from this film. Uh, you know, we've, we've already mentioned, uh, you know, Gav said that the that the music isn't that great because it's just one guy and there were, you know, four of the Beatles, obviously. But some of the music is refreshing and especially when it revolves around this whole thing that, the Beatles haven't existed. Um, you know, you can see the talent there. It's not like he, he butchers any of the songs or anything like that. They're all really, really well done uh, to a point where I was actually surprised and, you know, it was probably one of the best parts of the film. Uh, but then you do have to remember, like, you know, when I was speaking to Gav just off air, I said I didn't actually realise this was a rom-com. You know, there is kind of a, a romantic backstory to this, which... You know, it, it, it's it's very, very standard. It's a very, very standard issue in terms of the the plot. But, you know, that is kind of as it is with a lot of rom-coms. I think people kind of forget how uh, kind of bread and butter a lot of rom-com plots are. If you think of something like Bridget Jones, you know, it's just the same trope over and over again. She does something that makes her look incredibly stupid and that everyone laughs at her. She falls out of love with somebody, kind of rinse and repeat. Um, but it's just the way it all all comes together, and that's how it is in this film. You know, there's very uh, kind of plain plot points. I think the um, two main characters do have really good chemistry, and I think although we've kind of touched on Danny Boyle, and I do agree that kind of um, you know it maybe could have had a bigger influence in the film. One thing that I do think is great with this film is the actors and actresses that were used. You know, they went with British actors and actresses and they didn't go with big names or anything like that. I don't know if that's because of the budget or if that's just something that, you know, Danny Boyle kind of wanted to do as he has done in the past with a few of his films as well. And I think it really makes the film refreshing because there's, you know, they're not blowing the, pissing the budget up the wall on these big names. I mean, there's a 
cameo from James Corden, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Ed Sheeran's in there. But as Ozzy said, even mm. that is like a refreshing take. Yeah. Like he, he, S- sell it to me, Joel. Sell it to me. <laughs> he kind of, um, you know, tries to... Because he pokes fun at himself, doesn't he? It's he kind like, of tries yeah. to sabotage. Like, he, he basically goes to release Hey Jude and he tries to sabotage it, basically, um, to so that he doesn't do well with the song. So, um, there's, I mean, there's loads of things in there, really. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I think what Joel was saying there, I think that's one of its weakest points in the fact that it is just, it's a bit bland. It is just a generic love story, you know, and as I was saying before, getting away from the premise, you know, you've got this really exciting premise, which is just completely for me underwritten. And then you have this romp, you know, this, this love story, which for the most part for me in the film, it was non-existent. Like we are introduced to these two characters, um, Ellie and Jack, I want to say. Yeah, Jack, yeah. Uh, and um, he, you know, he's the affable sort of loser guitarist and she's the manager slash friends, you know, known each other since they were 13. She is hopelessly in love with them for some reason. Well, we are not shown why. But because they've been together and friends for such a long time and I think they would both work in the same school and so because she's a teacher as well. And then, you know, so I think she does a pretty good job of that. She's, a, you know, she's kind of like a, I see what you're saying is that maybe it's a little bit bland because she's just lovely does a good job of being a teacher you know like an unrequited love interest yeah. I suppose well, you know well, the, the, the there's, typical. there's nothing between the two of them right there's, there's no sort of, there might be a couple of glances from her and then when he starts recording songs and then he you know like he gets asked to be Ed Sheeran's backup band and then he gets a, a contract in LA and you know he's about to fly off to LA to record his album and the night before he leaves, she goes upstairs to look at his wall and she sees all the tracks are written and there's there's all the love songs are in one area and she's like, how come you never wrote a love song about me? You've got all these beautiful songs. How come I was never one of the, the love songs? And he was, I was like, where the fuck's this come from? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then he goes to LA. He's just sort of like, oh, well, see ya, I'm, I'm going. And then, you know, there's some scenes in LA where he's recording the music and then he realizes, shit, I am going to be singing about Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane and all these places in Liverpool and they've never actually been. So he says, can I fly off to Liverpool? By the way, there's a quick scene where his agent played by Kate McKinnon, uh, who's just vapid, um, just says like, oh, why do you want to go to that shithole? <laughs> and uh, people in the audience were boo. <laughs> and uh, we, we um, you know, he arrives in Liverpool and then she, uh, Ellie travels all the way up like 300 odd miles or whatever to see him. And then there's a bit where the where she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm hopelessly in love with you," and he's like, "Really?" You know, and it's like, and then they decide to hook up, but then they don't, and then she kind of puts an ultimatum on, saying like, "Listen, go to LA and become a huge star, or stay here." And he's like, "Well, see you later." Uh, you know, it's just it's all over the place. It's like literally all over the place. And then later on, uh, she rings him in the middle of a recording session to say, "I'm going out with another guy who we're introduced earlier to." Um, called Gavin, that really upset me. The fact <laughs> that it's like this smarmy, <laughs> long-haired, like streaky, yeah, yeah. constantly going to the toilet. Yeah. So, he knows uh, off camera. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but it, so she she says, "Oh, I'm going out with Gavin," and then later on, he realizes, "No, actually, I want to be with her." He crashes an Ed Sheeran concert. Um, he like does the headline to an Ed Sheeran concert. He's basically like, oh, you know, your gig, I'm going to play after you. And Ed Sheeran's like, yeah, fine, you know, go for it. Plays the gig, gets her up on stage, says, oh, I love you. Um, you know, I'm sorry. So they get together then. And then that's it. This Gavin guy's like, fair enough. See you later. <laughs> and there's a girl stood next to him who we've never been introduced to at all in the film. And then when it comes back, like the next scene when they're getting married, He's going out with this girl. I was like, well, who the, A, who, who was she? B, why was she stuck? Was she just a random that was walking past that was like, oh shit, mate, you got a really rough deal there getting dumped by air. Do you fancy a drink? You know, is, is that what's happened? I just don't understand. It's ridiculous. And uh, just, I know I'm rambling, but interesting point is there's a bit, so after he's left her in Liverpool and he goes to LA, there's a big boardroom meeting where there's like about 30 different people sat around this table and talking about, you know, what his album's going to look like, what he's going to be wearing, all this sort of stuff. And there's a girl that it's on the table and she leans in and she looks over and she gives him a look as if to say hello 
And he looks back and he's like, hmm, hello. Right. And the, the, you this know, is such paraphrasing. <laughs> <isn't it>? yeah. <laughs> right. And I just think, uh, I'm, I'm just quite interested to see how he's going to play this because yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't remember the scene at all. Again. Exactly. Right. So, so that <laughs> happens. And I was like, oh, here we go. It, it is a, a rival love interest. So he's going to get with her now. And then he's going to be like, oh, you know, actually, it's, it's Ellie back home that I'm in love with. I'm sorry. I'll see you later. You know, all the fame's going to get to his head and whatever. This girl is never mentioned ever again, right? She just disappears then. And I thought to myself, that was a bit odd. So when I left, I did some researching. And apparently there was a love interest played by this girl who had entire scenes in the movie. She even appears in the trailers, in like loads of different scenes. And they just decided to cut her out at the last minute. <laughs> They're just like, Aww. she's in that one scene where she's like, hello. And then it's like, nope, see you later. Oh, bless <laughs> I mean, I think what Gab's getting at is the writing and essentially the plot. I mean, tell me something about it, guys. What do you think? Is is it well written? It's no. No, like and we like Joel. We 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 also make no apologies about that. You know, in terms of defending it, I don't think the the film is not going to blow your socks off in any in any way, shape, or form. However, it is a pleasant watch. Mm. It is something that you can just chill out listen to the tunes played, you know, in a different way to what you're used to. So you've got to suspend some disbelief. You know, you've got to think to yourself that that audience has never heard this before. And this guy has presented it to them for the very first time. And, and it's quite, you know, it's quite pleasant. I, I wouldn't give it a whole lot more than pleasant, you know, but the acting is quite well done. Everybody is believable. Um, quite humorous in it. Again, in a, a light-hearted, not too, you know, it's not slapstick humor. It's not laugh a minute, but it's you know, you'll chortle, you'll you'll snicker at a few bits. You'll you'll have some knowing. Uh, there's some knowing jokes. You know, there's a little bit where they're joking about what they're going to call the album, um, and it's like inside a joke. So if you're a Beatles fan, you'll like things where they suggest they call it the White Album, even though there wasn't a White Album. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that sort of thing. So it's it's a bit knowing. And and maybe you know, Gav's right is that I didn't actually realise that that was the scene that was chopped out of the the film. There are bits like that. Yeah, there's probably been some dubious editing decisions, but you know, you know, maybe Danny Ball should have stuck on for for doing a Bond twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you should have combined them. Into one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Bond the is the scene. only person who remembers <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he's got all these bad guys who are trying to get after him, so he writes the music for them. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a film I would fucking watch. Exactly. Take it to a let die. I know, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do Wings, do ba- Band on the Run or something. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like before we carry on, I mean, just like look at this guy. This is not a B movie, it's not a horror movie. This guy hates anything that's had more than a few thousand pounds spent at it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you really want to trust him when it comes to a rom com? As a rule, no. I, I just said that I really enjoyed Rocketman. You know what I mean? <laughs> and listen, that, that is the staple of somebody who doesn't have an argument. Yeah, yeah. He just goes to a character assassination because he can't Straight think of anything in. for himself. I find it quite effective, though. To be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone got anything they would like to add before I, I slam the gavel on this one? Yeah, man. I mean, what is Gav wearing today? <laughs> <laughs> it's a flying hellfish t-shirt and i approve <laughs> i would just like to talk a little bit about the characters which i don't think have been discussed at all basically austin said that the performances were good right because the reason that they haven't discussed them is because you know the characters are weak as fuck right like austin <laughs> said that the performances were good which they were i think the actors all the actors and actresses involved did a good job right i didn't think to myself at one point oh they're bad apart from ed sheeran who is not an actor very talented musician you know you can say what you want about ed sheeran he writes all his own music he works hard but he is not an actor but, yeah but he's he's in it little enough for him to just be like he's quite reserved I, he doesn't he's not trying to be like I, I, i'm not shitting on him you know what i mean i'm just saying like that it, well, sounded I, like you were trying to use I'm that as an argument that for the he, film to he be is bad. the weakest uh, understandably is the weakest yeah, performer yeah, okay, yeah. but the characters are so poorly written like i can't remember the last good female character that richard curtis wrote like there's two essentially two female characters in this there's the love interest and there's the agent the agent is like fair fair enough she isn't a female stereotype she's just like vapid sort of like money grabbing you know like you come to work for me in la i'll take like 90 percent of everything i don't really care about you see you later sort of thing and the love interest ellie is just there just to kind of be in love with this guy 
and she doesn't add anything worthwhile to the plot at all. You know, it's just, she's just there. She's just like, it's just been, she's been written by a 14 year old boy that like all of the characters are sort of staple Richard Curtis characters. So you've got like a couple who are quite, you know, uh, bickering all the time, but really they love each other. You know, the, the, you know, they're a bit jaded by marriage, but they still love each other deep down there in it. Then you've got the affable sort of loser who's central to the plot. So you can take Jack out and replace him with, I don't know, uh, any sort of um, Hugh Grant character. <laughs> I knew uh, you were going to say Hugh Grant. But it's 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 essentially the a carbon copy of uh, one of Hugh Grant's characters, like Notting Hill, the exact same character. Mm. Talking about Notting Hill characters, Risa Fonz's character is it makes an appearance um, as in like his best friend is just a carbon copy of Risa Fon's character from Notting Hill or um, Chris Marshall's character from uh, Love Actually or any other, uh, you know, sort of comedy sidekick. Mm. Like the characters are just so poorly written. It is unbelievable. And I, I, I haven't even gone into details about like some of the worst. One, one of the scenes that we completely missed off talking about characters, yeah. right? Is there is a big central point later on where um, uh, Jack is, is performing the songs and he gets um, he gets ambushed by two fans who remember the Beatles. They are the only other two people in the entire film, maybe the entire world, who actually remember the Beatles. Do they remember Coca-Cola as well? They, yeah, they must do. They must remember everything. One um, of them's smoking a fag. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. remember it wrong. They're one of them smoking a can of coke. <laughs> um, now, so they approach Jack, and he thinks that shit's going to hit the fan here. But mm. they are actually really grateful. They're like, "Oh, thank you for reintroducing the Beatles to us. We thought that they'd completely gone." Uh, and they, and he was like, "Well, I was beginning to feel a bit guilty about it." And they're like, "Don't be." Uh, here is a present for you. Essentially, this will put your mind at ease. So they give him an address. He follows the address to this like really serene beach house um, in wherever. He gets there, knocks on the door. Who should answer the door? Fucking John Lennon. <laughs> John Lennon, who, who's not dead. Who's not dead, obviously. Uh, and he, yeah, he is played by. Uh, actually, no, I'll put that as a quiz question. Uh, <laughs> but he's played by somebody who just looks like that person with bad makeup on doing uh, just a generic Scouse accent. doesn't sound anything like John Lennon. Could have been worse. It could have been worse. I mean, how's that scene done? Obviously, that might be quite a, t- a touching scene for some people. Well, I was just going to say is that... Um, I, I don't think I was a big... F- the scene just was... A, I don't really like John Lennon, to be honest with you. So to me, well, to me that fuss. can go one or two but ways. It's either going to be really naff or quite touching. Uh, quite a lot of people who I've spoke to since said that they really liked that. They thought it was a really nice touch. It tends to be older people who um, who experienced the Beatles maybe he, first he knew time. John. <laughs> maybe not even, or, or would like to have you believe that they knew John, you know. People who are a bit more of that era who who certainly experienced Beatles music firsthand mm. quite liked the fact, you know, like almost like a, oh, what could have been type mm. of thing. Um, didn't really affect me. I wasn't a massive Beatles fan, to be perfectly honest. So I just saw it as a... Just another scene, like a, a bit like, a, you know, Avengers Endgame, where you've got an old mm. Captain America, that sort of thing. It was, it is nice, yeah. nice touch, but I yeah. did, it, I didn't think it was bad or shit, but a lot of people have told me that they really liked that in, in, in because of what could have been, mm. it's like a nice nostalgic moment for them and a bit of a, like a hopefulness, you know, mm. wistfulness, I suppose is, is the right word for it. Okay. Um, it's just it, it adds to the whole premise of the film it's a very pleasant consumable watch it's uh it's not pushing boundaries but it's not necessarily trying to be i think when i was watching it one of the thoughts i had was are any of the beaters still alive and what would they say yes, about yes it? two of them are still alive <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that john lennon was one of the people that were supposedly alive was a little bit fucking strange to be honest but they did kind of try and answer that question and it, it was just I think they basically just went with the John Lennon stereotype and he was just kind of all preaching about love and peace. And, um, you know, he was very, very uh, just open, um, as John Lennon always was in, like, all his interviews and that type of thing. And it was probably something that didn't need to be there. But as I said, when I was watching it, that is one of the things that I thought of. Um, So I'm sure other people felt like that as well, and maybe that's why they put it in. Yeah, and Danny Boyle himself (laughs) asked the surviving uh, Beatles, didn't he, what they thought, and... Both of them said, "Yeah, it's good." 
I mean, those yeah, two Ringo Starr doesn't say much else these days. That's not that effect. Yeah. <laughs> peace and love, yeah, yeah. peace and love. Yeah. I, uh, their brains must be, you know, just adults to <laughs> years of drug abuse. So I wouldn't pay attention to anything they said. <laughs> no, um, uh, uh, sorry, blank that comment out. Um, no, I think the reason that they use that scene was because John Lennon gives them some reaffirming words. So peace and love, peace and love, you know, look after your fellow man sort of thing. And then that prompts uh, Jack to not do the right thing i thought because i thought oh well you know what he's going to do is kind of um give all the proceeds to charity i thought that would have been the most sensible thing release the album and all the money that he gets from it give it to charity but no what he decides to do is tell everybody that he's like a conduit he's he's not really the one who's written these songs he's just remembering them and it was actually written by these four guys but nobody else can remember and then give everybody the songs for free and then just go, oh, there you go. It's all up on YouTube or whatever, or, you know, Spotify. You can all have it for free. Sounds nice. And then he goes back to being a teacher and it's just like, well, you know, it's not, it's nice in principle. <laughs> like the Beatles music is essentially what they're trying to say for everyone. I don't know whether having like a slide dig at the fact that they had to pay like millions upon millions of dollars <laughs> to actually get the rights or whether they're having a slide ticket at Michael Jackson's estate which still holds the rights to a lot of them oh but, yeah I forgot about so that so yeah. maybe, the, maybe they're having a slide dig like it should be free for everyone to use or Shaman <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just thought that he would have been better if he would have gone like yeah actually uh, you know even what Joel suggested earlier um, uh, off off, <laughs> off <laughs> script um, is that you know like put it like as a 99p download or whatever each song and then just give all the profits to charity if he was going to go back to living like a pauper then yeah do that <laughs> it wasn't exactly like it's not like he was living a on the school streets teacher living like a, I'm, I'm sorry alex is yeah, gonna say oh. he's, he's our only reference though isn't he so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I, I think um like it sounds really bad when you put it like that but basically it was put in the way that he just wants to go and be with the with his new lady yeah. Um, so they kind and of ride off happily into the, the wrong sunset. Element. Obviously, being a woman, all she wants to do is get married and have kids because that's, that's all Richard cares. A bit jaded, Gav. I think that, women have more aspirations than that. No, ex- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and to be you know to be fair, how about off screen? They go and start manufacturing cigarettes and <laughs> trying to come up with the recipe for. Right. Coca-Cola from I, KFC. I would, I would love that, but obviously Richard Curtis can't write a decent female character, so all the, this this oh. female character is going to do is like, let's go and get married now, and that's and that's it, and then it ends with him singing Oobla Dee Oobla Da, probably the shittest Beatles song. <laughs> You've really got a problem with Oobla Dee Oobla Da. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's no octopus garden on the shit scale. Yeah. <laughs> okay, has anyone got anything else to add? Because I'm ready to call it a day on that one. I think I've heard enough. Nope. We're good? Okay, I'm going to muse on my thoughts for a little while. Um, Gav, do you want to distract everyone for a bit? Yeah, okay, so I've got a bit of a quiz here. Um, so this is uh, called, I don't know, The Beatles. I, I didn't think of an album <laughs> title because I didn't know whether we were going to do it. The or White not. Quiz. <laughs> oh, 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 yes. Um, okay, so question one, very, very uh, easy question. Uh, just mentioned before, there is a god-awful uh, cameo. Uh, of john lennon in the film uh, so who plays john lennon or oh, that by the way guys i want you to buzz in so i am intrigued to find out who this is i've not seen the film so okay so who played because it, it's an uncredited cameo so you have to you have to unless you recognize the person you have to go away and research because okay. they don't appear in the credits austin or joel he's a danny boyle favorite isn't he he is a danny boyle favorite Maybe we should just well, try I, I can start hazarding guesses yeah, based yeah, on that say, maybe we should just give dave clues uh so i'm guessing not you mcgregor no robert carlisle Yes, Okay, so um, uh, all other, another point that we touched on before is that Danny Boyle said that this was the second most expensive thing he's had to do uh, was license the Beatles songs. He said it cost an absolute fortune. What was, like, this is just once again another guess, what was the most expensive thing he's ever had to do in films? Uh, oh, in films. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say the Olympic opening <laughs> ceremony was probably pretty expensive. No, no, no. What's, what, what, what's the what's the most expensive like one-off purchase in a film he's ever made? All uh, heroin for transport. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ewan McGregor had to do that scene about eighty times. Biggest <laughs> um, one-off purchase. Okay, but is I, it Slumdog related? Is no, it I'll, Slumdog I'll, I'll give you a clue. It's to do with the beach. Oh, uh, oh Leonardo DiCaprio's he... fee. Yeah, no, well, nearly. Uh, in short, Leonardo DiCaprio's face. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, because uh, obviously it was at that time when he was uh, 
team yeah, hard yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah I'm going to give you that one Joel okay so talking about that god awful cameo from Robert Carlyle as uh, John Lennon which of Carlyle's cracker co-stars and other frequent Danny Boyle collaborator appeared as John Lennon in a 2010 TV movie Lennon Naked oh god cracker co-star yeah I'm guessing it's not Robbie Coltrane. It is Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, no idea. Give us some clues to the guy. So he's in Cracker. And he's he's also been in several Danny Boyle films. Also in Danny Boyle films. You and Brammer? No. <laughs> uh, Robert Carlyle again. <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shallow Grave. Um, 28 Days Later. Chris Freckleston. Chris Freckleston. Well done, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> while, you, while you did that, I just typed in uh, Lenin naked. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, Why? I just thought it'd be quite funny to see if there was like another an alternative thing. And so, there's about there's a little uh, article here about Lenin the nudist. Oh, I've not clicked on it, but you should check. Maybe it out. read that in your own time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, question four: Which foul-mouthed politician turned Doctor Who starred as George Harrison in John and Yoko: A Love Story? I, I can answer a guess at this one. Go on. I'm guessing Peter Capaldi. Yes, well done, Dave. <laughs> Dave Storman with this one. Is that Lewis Capaldi's uncle? Um, yes. I'm going to say, yeah, because I wanted that to be true, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? I think. Um, no, Peter, he's the actor, isn't he, Peter? Peter Capaldi. Oh, yeah. it is. It is. It is. is. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's some sort of relation, because he's in Lewis Capaldi's uh, music video. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. The, the world just got a little better. Yeah. Oh, I mean. wow. <laughs> and he's really good, isn't he, actually? He's like, well, you should yeah. check out the video. He's good at really everything, good. and so is Lewis Capaldi, awesome. to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, number five, the Beatles made a cameo in the underrated musical biopic Piss Take, or should that be biopic? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Piss Take it. Piss Take it. Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Now, name any of the actors who played the Beatles. Oh, no idea. When did knows. this film come out? 2010, 2008, maybe. So, usual sort of... Um, uh, it was the, the main character, and it was uh, John C. McGinley. Not John C. McGinley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. <laughs> so, um, people who would have been in those films. Will Ferrell? No. Um, along the same lines, though. Along the same line, yeah. Paul Rudd, yeah, well done, played John. Oh. Okay, um, anyone like st- still in the same ballpark? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never seen the Jerry Cox story. I don't know. Who, um, who knocks around with Paul Rudd? Sandler, Stiller, Ben Stiller. No, no. Uh, Vince Vaughn. No. Okay, I'll just tell you. Oh, I think I've got one. Uh, one. Ed Helms. No. Shit. Uh, okay, so playing Paul was Jack Black, oh. and then Justin Long played George. And uh, Ozzy's one of his favourites, Jason Schwartzman, played uh, Ringo. Oh, you're going to say Jason Statham? Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham. <laughs> he played George Martin. Roundhouse kitchen. Okay, number six, Two of Us is a TV movie that offers a dramatised account of a conversation between Lennon and McCartney discussing a Beatles reunion on SNL. Aidan Quinn played Paul, but which Chernobyl star played John? I knew I should have watched Chernobyl. Never seen Chernobyl. No, okay, no um, uh, acting dynasty, uh, son of a, a British acting great. He's also pretty good himself. Like um. <laughs> he played Moriarty in Shell. You, you see what just dawned on me? The Irish guy. Oh, oh, Jared Harris. Yes, oh. yes. Well the first done. person who came to my head was Rory Kinnear, and then I was like, I don't think Gav's going to call Rory Kinnear an acting <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and wasn't um, his dad a footballer? <laughs> very violent man yeah. uh, so number seven backbeat prominently features the beatles but concentrated more on the life of the original beatles bassist Stuart sutcliffe nice. which actor better known as playing a vampiric comic book villain played the bassist Ooh, vampiric was, comic book villain played Stuart in, sutcliffe was he in blade wesley snipes <laughs> <laughs> i mean that is also a film that i want to see <laughs> Um, uh, if I'm Blade, yeah, Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff, well done, Dave. <laughs> okay. I was going to say Matt Goss. Who's going to be Matt Goss or Stephen Dorff? <laughs> okay, uh, so number eight. Uh, Nowhere boy told of the early life oh, of yeah. John Lennon and uh, his relationship with his mother. That's uh, a good film. It is a good film, but who played John Lennon? Oh, um, I applied to play John Lennon. Does that count? Oh yeah, go on. There we go. I didn't, didn't get it. Have a didn't point. Get, have a point for applying. Didn't, didn't even get a fucking call back. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, I wasn't scouts enough. They said. <laughs> it was Aaron Taylor Johnson. That well one done. I do know. Well, well, done. Done. well done. Right. Okay. Uh, number nine. Across the universe was a Beatles jukebox musical about a young British man who sets sail to America searching for his dad, but finds love instead. 
Yeah, not with his dad's hands. With the lady, with the lady. Um, so uh, Jim Sturgis bagged the lead role of Jude, but which handsome Liverpoolian actor did he pip to the post? Handsome Liverpoolian. Well, that whittles it down. It's... Liverpoolian and handsome. <laughs> handsome Liverpoolian actor. William Brookside. Yeah. <laughs> Simbad. Simbad. It's got to be Simbad. Yeah. Um, uh, it was me. <laughs> I, I auditioned for that one. So between the two of us, actually, we could have played John Lennon in two separate films. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went for an audition and um, I didn't get it. <laughs> they said I wasn't American enough. <laughs> Uh, so, um, number 10, uh, chapter 27, told the story of Mark Chapman in the three days before the assassination of John Lennon. Which actor gained 60 pounds by drinking microwaved ice cream, soy sauce, and olive oil to play the role? That Whoa. sounds rank. Surely there's more fun ways to put weight on. Okay, we're a, a, a zany method actor. Uh, Is it Christian Bale? <laughs> <laughs> both, both are good guesses. <laughs> uh, okay, it's a, quite a recent film, uh, a few years back. Uh, he's more Jared famous... Letter. Well done, George. Oh, nice. yeah. Okay, and just out of curiosity, who played John Lennon in that film? Think of the most inappropriate name of an actor to play John Lennon in a film where he gets assassinated. Mark Chapman? Yes. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah, the actor was called Mark Lindsay Chapman. You're um, kidding. He used to go by Mark Lindsay. Oh, okay, for obvious yeah. reasons and but he, he thought if ever i'm gonna go back to my birth yeah. name that was the chance, <laughs> that was the chance. Well, uh, well, that funny, funny story is that that film i mentioned before john and yoko uh that was produced by yoko ono and mark Lindsay chapman was in first place for john lennon until yoko ono found out his name and was oh. like nope and then after that, he was like, fuck him, just going to embrace my name. And then he ended up being John Lennon anyway. I'm just going to apply for every John Lennon role from now on, just as a fuck you to Yoko. And, uh, and the last question, um, Scylla was a TV series that was all about Scylla Black, another great Liverpoolian musician. And the Beatles did make a little cameo in that, but who played Scylla Black? Oh, oh it was Sheridan Smith. Well done, Dave. You have won the quiz. And all I'm going to say is I'm bitterly disappointed with both Austin and especially Joel. (laughs) It's a shit quiz on (laughs) you. We did try. Okay, oh, yeah, so the well, we've been quiet there. I was just getting a drink. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So I've had a little bit of time to think about this one. Now I wasn't sure. Like I say, I haven't seen the film, so I know nothing about it on my own opinion. I've heard various things. I've heard some good. I've heard some bad. I've heard a lot of people say they quite enjoyed it. I've heard a lot of people say they didn't. And it seems to be pretty even split. I don't know what everyone's real opinions are. I guess we'll find out at the end of this. Um, from what I can gather from it, it seems like a typical Richard Curtis affair, and. Richard Curtis, although I'm not a huge fan myself, someone out there clearly is. He has a lot of mainstream charm. There must be a lot of people that are going to enjoy enjoy his films and that will enjoy this, therefore, if it's, you know, typical of his style. Similarly, uh, perhaps more deservingly of their mainstream appeal, the Beatles are also very popular. There's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to want to see this film because they're such big Beatles fans. So between Richard Curtis and the Beatles, this film is going to have a lot of appeal. You bring a lot more charm to it. You bring Danny Boyle on board. You've got your makings and an interesting premise. Like even Gav, you agreed. It is an interesting premise. These things alone will make this film pretty successful. I'd say, I'd say this is going to do quite well for itself. But I think from what Gav was saying, um, it's pretty much resting on those laurels and the substance that could have been therein and could have made for a better film was lacking somewhat. And even Austin and Joel, you guys agreed that Danny Boyle didn't bring much to the table, or if he did, it's it's very devoid of his style, a style that really we should be enjoying. If you get Danny Boyle attached to a project, just give him free reign, let the man do whatever he wants. He's, he's earned some trust by now. And I think, you know, the fact that so, so many Beatles songs, actually by the sounds of it, the Beatles songs are treated quite well and with respect. And I think it's it's the whole Richard Curtis trope thing again that's just coming in. And to wrap it up, I've got to say that although I think the film will do very well, it I'm going to stick with it's going to be resting on its laurels and perhaps undeservedly it's going to do quite well. But I'm going to put this on the shit list, therefore. Ooh, I I thought I was on the ropes there. I thought you were going to put it on the hit list. Well, I, was, I, I may feel differently when I see it, but... Um, I don't know. So, genuine opinions, um, Joel? Um, 
it's pretty shit. <laughs> like there's just there's just nothing there other than the music. Like the actual rom com part of it is just ridiculous. Like it's completely ridiculous. And then the ending part as well, where he's got like this album and a record contract and things, and he just turns around and goes, "You know what? You can have it all for free." It. I felt like they were just trying to be like, "He's done the right thing." Here. You know, let's applaud him for it. But it just didn't come across that way, and it it just felt like it made the whole film just completely pointless. Um, having John Lennon in there was weird as shit and Ed, Ed Sheeran is just fucking horrendous as soon as he's on the screen as well I, I mean if they'd watched that episode of Game of Thrones when he was on the screen for like 10 fucking seconds they'd have known how bad he is but like he is pretty terrible and the film like I think it has actually done pretty well I, I think I yeah, read I think like has, according yeah. to its budget and what it's actually already made I think it came third after Spider-Man and what's the other decent film out at the moment but, um, oh, uh, <laughs> Toy Story, Story 4 Toy Story, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's third behind those two which is actually pretty good going yeah. Um, but yeah it's uh, I'm not, never going to watch it again mm. yeah, it's, it's a long way behind them actually isn't it in terms of uh, take-ins but, as in the, the two at the top are streets ahead yeah it's just kind of a best of the rest sort of trophy well you'd yeah. imagine I mean those two have got Disney behind <laughs> them and this one hasn't well, so. yeah. Ozzy what did you think mate it's just fine just all right. Possible. Yeah, you probably, it, you, you, you're not going to queue up to watch it again. Yeah. Like, to be perfectly honest. Well, I'm, and, I'm hesitant to queue up for it to watch it once <laughs> at the moment. It's it's just nice at best, mm. really. Like, the music, the, the, the crowdy, um, the concert scenes are fine. Other than that, though, it's... Um, Gav, Gav is pretty much spot on. It's just a bit mismatched. Like, it, there's no major story to it. The, uh, the love interest may not what may may as well not be there mm. it was a it's a really odd situation you can tell she likes him yeah but yeah he's 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 just completely oblivious <laughs> to nothing, yeah uh, i take it gav yeah. you your feelings were quite <laughs> uh, when i came out of it i thought it was a warm jug of piss and <laughs> i must say that uh, i have cooled towards it uh, they said that works well with the metaphor as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the jug of piss has cooled. Yeah, uh, and it's, I don't it's think it's palatable. as. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's got a squeeze of lime in there or something. Yeah. Um, no. Pleasant aftertaste. Yeah. Um, <laughs> move on, no. please. Move on. <laughs> but yeah, I don't some, think it was as bad. To eat, but if you had to survive, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would happily drink. Yeah, Bear Grylls would definitely quaff it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if someone took away all your other films, you'd keep yourself going. On this. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't think it's as bad as i thought it was but it, it, it isn't it isn't great mm. uh, i you know there's it was a great concept it just was poorly executed as, as i said danny boyle is nowhere to be seen characters are weak af to give um ed sheeran some credit he, he is supposed to be playing like a cocky arrogant version of himself but the thing is is that i don't think he's that great an actor so it doesn't really come across as he is supposed to be cocky or arrogant he, he just delivers it like quite bland so you think to yourself is that what he's really like is he is it is he supposed to be cocky is he supposed to be joking you know you don't really know so it's odd there's a there's a scene where he has a a, a song writing contest with jack they both go off he bro- comes back with some little irish ditty <laughs> and jack plays the long and winding road and then ed Sheeran starts off a slow applause and then he says the line i'm paraphrasing here but something along the lines of they told me one day a songwriter would come who would be better than me. <laughs> Who's that? The Druids? What kind of prophecy is that? <laughs> Who's it's, they? I've no idea. It was just so fucking odd. And because he, he delivers it so deadpan, you don't really know if he's, if he's joking, if his character's supposed to be arrogant, if it's just that's him or, you know. It's, he genuinely it's, did get visit odd. a fortune teller who told yeah. him a prophecy. But to, to be fair, what I did enjoy about it is there was a lot of people who I knew who were extras in the film. So it was quite good watching all these um, scenes where they were in Liverpool or when they were supposed to be in Moscow and yeah, I could see a few people that I knew and I was like oh look there's Blah Blah and there's Blah Blah so that, that was that, that kept me entertained anyway but I'd imagine that uh, that appeal is going to be it's not going to be widespread is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty esoteric if we're being honest if you follow me on Facebook follow all the people I know <laughs> and then you can please spot the difference I'll try and do that before I see it at the end of this week for the next episode yeah I feel more confident I've made the right decision now but we'll see well higher or lower than our previous film on trial on Metacritic so this is out of 100 our previous one was Charlie's Angels, which got 52 mm, out of 100. Probably a little bit higher because it's just been released. Yeah, it's a new release. And like I say, people, if you guys admit it, if you like the Beatles, if you like Richard Curtis, you're going to go see it and you'll probably 
quite like it, so I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say that Richard Curtis fans probably don't bother voting on Metacritic. <laughs> I'm going to say lower. Uh, it is higher. Is it? Joel is right. Just 56 out of 100. I thought it would be much higher, but yeah. that's, that's it. That's it, apparently. Uh, okay, so just before we call it a day, uh, once again, I oh yeah, I should say I put it up on, on Twitter for a poll as well. And once again, very, very tight. 57 <laughs> percent uh thought that it should be placed on the hit list mm-hmm. so very so down the middle it has been a bit of a yeah. divisive film to be fair and um, but yeah before before we call it a day it's time for a bit of a caption contest so what i do here is i take a screenshot of the film but on twitter ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog shaped chocolatey treat so the caption i've gone with this time is it's that unfortunate scene that joel was mentioning before where james Corden makes an appearance and both of them are looking sort of hesitant and anxiously off stage, right? And uh, Jack is holding the guitar. So you guys have just got to pick the funniest, starting with number one. Apparently, James was a bigger fan of scrambled eggs. I don't know what that means. Um, number two, what is that cat doing? Number three, no caption other than fuck James Corden. <laughs> oh, straight to the top. <laughs> uh, the next one, play me some Skinnered. <laughs> Uh, the next one is, hello, my name is Inium, uh, 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 sorry, Inigo uh, Montoya. <laughs> you jammed with my father, now prepare to dance. Uh, the next one, John and Yoko getting ready to play their new song. Uh, then we've got, I can't sing if I see you looking at me. <laughs> uh, the penultimate one is, can we bring the Beatles back and lose this Corden wanker instead? <laughs> and the last one is Chuck Berry when Yoko sings. And there's a little clip of <laughs> some of these fun- <laughs> Some footage of Chuck Berry, John Lennon, and Yoko Ono singing, and then Yoko sings in Chuck Berry's face. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I applaud the effort. Of that. Actually, you know what? I do. I want to reward the effort for that one, putting the Chuck Berry footage up. What do you reckon, Joel, Ossie? I'm going for the Chuck Berry footage as well. I think the effort, if somebody's going to go to... It doesn't work well on the podcast, though, to be fair. Maybe yeah, we should not everyone else can see point. this. Yeah. But I think I've described it quite aptly there. Yeah, so. it also encourages people to engage with us on Twitter. So. Exactly, yeah. I'm giving them it to that one. Okay, then. Don't succumb to the gang mentality. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, congratulations to our good friends, the Casting Couch Podcast. You have just won yourselves a flippity freddo. Uh, So just before we call it a day, we wanted to just give a bit of a shout out to one of our podcasting friends. It is the Cinema Guys. Now, I've mentioned these guys uh, quite a lot on this show, to be fair, but it's a really good podcast. And I genuinely mean that. It's three friends and they just chat about films. Uh, Most of them are new releases. So uh, they've done some great ones recently. Rocket Man, Detective Pikachu, Avengers Endgame. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of them. And what I really like about them as well is that they do something called um, a cinema cinnaminute um and basically it's it's them doing a recap of a film or a synopsis so you know their review but in a minute and i find these really good you know if you don't have time to sit down and listen to a full podcast or if you don't have time to even you know you're, you're on the go you can't read a review or something but you fancy checking it out later on like put it on it's a minute and it's very concise and it covers a lot of ground <laughs> maybe we should try and uh, take a leaf out of their book know, yeah. summaries. <laughs> we do well we do the cinema minute but it's usually about 107 minutes <laughs> so yeah uh, check them out uh, they've got a website we are the cinema guys got dot uh, com or you can follow them on twitter at the cinema guys so uh, just to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode and uh, please remember to like share and subscribe tell your friends tell your family about us uh, just you know spread the warm love that is filmed on trial in as many ears as possible we should say that next week's film has been picked out of the hat at random and it is the nicholas cage starring horror psychedelic film mandy and the roles have also been picked out random so in the role of prosecution is going to be joel and alex and in the role of defense is going to be myself and captain dave which means the judge is going to be yourself austin i cannot wait so uh do tune in for that one you can check us out in the meantime on facebook on twitter on instagram and on youtube films on trial check out our twitter page at film trials and check out our fantastic graphic artist winston sang at the underscore quakes so that's it everyone yesterday is officially a shit and we will be in your ears next week with mandy so goodbye